Hey, what's going on? Hope you are well and are having a good week as always. Uh, so on this week's episode of the Welcome to the Metaverse podcast, I chat to Asad J. Malik, who is both a film director and also CEO of Jardu AR. Now, as you'll hear in this episode, his team have worked with some pretty incredible people in the space, including major Canadian artist Grimes. Assad himself also directed a music video with Pussy Riot, which went on to do over half a million dollars in NFT sales. Uh, primarily, though, Assad has worked in the AR space, so we start off uh, the conversation chatting about what is happening now with augmented reality, uh, then towards the end of the episode, chat more about how that all connects to the NFT space, including Jardu's latest drop, which sold out in 20 seconds called Jetpacks, uh, an NFT asset that can be used to fly MeBits and other avatars in the future around the physical world in AR. Very, very cool. We end the chat with some alpha on Jardu's next drop, their unique way of potentially doing their whitelist access and some other projects and people that Assad is excited about too. Um, I definitely think Jardu are a company to watch very closely. They are pioneering what can be done with digital assets in AR and the physical world. Uh, so it was an awesome chat full of loads of great info. Uh, as always, nothing in this podcast though is financial or investment advice. Always do your own research. And with that said, let's dive into this week's episode. Asad, great to have you on the show. Appreciate you coming on. And uh, I think a good place to start. It's always interesting to hear everyone's journey uh, into the blockchain space. And uh, I know uh, yours has gone through various different parts, including AR. So maybe you could give us the rundown of your story so far. Sure. Um, you know, the, my primary work has been in AR. Um, we've been working in augmented reality for the last five years or so. And really the NFT space or the crypto space you know, I had some early experiences with it. Um, there was some Bitcoin purchase. Um, there was something I bought with a Bitcoin like in Prague um, years ago, which was something I regret still because that Bitcoin is gone now. Um, and in, you know, in 2017, I had some experience kind of investing as well, which didn't really pan out too well. And it was really this November when I started having good experiences with the blockchain. Um, I invested in GRT. And the graph protocol, which honestly just allowed me to kind of dive deeper into this protocol and understand how it functions. And I was just really impressed by what a sophisticated, like properly designed incentive system and, you know, everything that was going into that protocol just really opened my eyes to what was possible on chain. And then earlier this year, Matt Boucher, who's in our team, released uh, some Grimes NFTs on Nifty Gateway that did really well. And, you know, that kind of got us involved in the space a bit. And. Um, I directed a music video for Pussy Riot that we released that, you know, we kind of released on YouTube and as an NFT at the same time. And it made $50 on YouTube and made half a million dollars as an NFT. So, you know, um, got a lot of our attention. And, you know, since then, we went from, oh, we're artists and creatives making NFTs that rich people seem to be buying for some reason to actually having a lot of my own net worth in NFTs. And, you know, I had an ape and I blew and just a lot of random like NFT projects and kind of went full tilt into this world. And that's really when it started to combine with our own AR work and became more central to how we're building, building things. We're just very confident that this Web3 mindset of digital ownership is a really key component in all the platforms of the future that are going to start to be developed now. 
And that's why we're now kind of building Jadu as the definitive Web3 AR platform. Awesome. Yeah, okay. And we're at quite an interesting time right now. I think most people have experienced some form of AR, but probably in a very basic uh, you know, form, maybe that Snapchat and Instagram filters and that sort of thing. But they are probably underestimating its role in the, in the future and what this can all become and how it connects with the NFTs. So what kind of AR experiences are being developed at the moment and what are you seeing you know, is probably going to play out over the next next five years for this space with AR in mind? Yeah, well, you know, the way AR started for me was, you know, five years ago, I was messing around with HoloLens. I ended up purchasing one because I got really excited about the creative possibilities. Um, It was being used for a lot of enterprise use cases like architectural visualizations and surgery and things like that. But there really wasn't much creative expression based stuff that was taking place. So that's kind of what brought me into the space. And you know, since nothing existed at that point, we had a very kind of open imagination of what was possible. And, you know, we started building some really kind of rich experiences of what we thought immersive media like this, you know, should unfold. So um, we built something called Terminal 3, which was our first major, you know, AR experience that premiered at the Tribeca Film Festival in 2018. And, you know, I, I've gone through a lot of interrogations and secondary screenings, including FBI interrogation in my life. So, you know, I'm an expert on interrogation. So we really built our first project to be, we, we built an interrogation room at Tribeca. And, you know, the viewer would basically put on a HoloLens headset and get to interrogate a hologram um, in front of them that they would actually get to ask questions using their voice and it would trigger responses from the hologram. And you would, towards the end, you would have to make a decision on whether or not you're going to let this person into the country. And we would have the viewer walk into a second room um, to then basically meet the hologram in person. So the person whose hologram we had made was actually sitting and waiting for you in the second room, basically in the flesh. So you would go from speaking to this hologram and this digital persona to then speaking to a real person um, who was physically present. And that was just a really strong moment for people. A lot of people would kind of start crying in that room and that project's now being taught at UC Berkeley and USC and a bunch of these places. So, you know, that's the experience that we're coming from. That's the kind of AR we hope to build that, you know, brings other people and thanks to your space and really significantly alters how you view your space and your reality. And I think that, you know, Snapchat and Instagram and this form of AR that we're experiencing now, um, you know, did uh, it helped and also did a disservice to the space in the sense that now a lot of people know about AR and there are tons of AR developers and all that kind of stuff, which is amazing, I think. Um, but at the same time, you know, I think people's idea of what the possibilities are are relatively limited because they've just only been exposed to filters and, you know, very basic use cases of AR. And um, so I think we're kind of in an interesting position where we know what the possibilities are and how limitless they are, but also mobile AR and technology is getting to a point where I think uh, we can really show the world what is possible and really have people engage with their space and, you know, rethink their surroundings. There are just a bunch of really amazing kind of ideas that this new medium allows uh, to be tackled. Um, One of the things I say often is kind of, you know, this ghostly presence that you experience when you have a hologram in your space that you stop viewing through a headset or a phone now, but they still have a presence left behind because you associated associate them with your space now. So a lot is possible with AR, and I think you know what we've seen so far is barely scratched the surface. Yeah, and Terminal Three for anyone listening is is 
100% I'd recommend going and just watching some of the clips on YouTube because it's really, it's, you know, there's a lot of emotion there, isn't there, as, as people are talking through this interrogation process and it's, yeah, fascinating how human and how real it is and it draws all the same emotions as someone going through some of that stuff, I would imagine. So it was, it was really, I was really surprised at how, uh, how it made me feel just watching it. So it is like a fascinating look into what AR can do, I think. And, and uh, yeah, really, really interesting. I wanted to ask as well, as, as you know, someone who's, who's building in this space, what do you think the next five years looks like? Firstly, for AR, just because you you know you talk talk about all these experiences that maybe the general public aren't familiar with. So, what do you think AR looks like over the next five years, and how how will it impact our kind of everyday lives? Do you think it's at, at a point now where it's about to kind of break into everybody's lives and kind of a mainstream thing that will uh, will be seeing you know affect our daily existence really? I think uh, where we are with AR right now is kind of comparable to where we were with VR, like when Google Cardboard was a thing, you know, when most most people's VR experience would be, oh, I got some Google Cardboard, something of that nature. I put my phone in, watch a 360 video. And um, it was kind of an interesting time because I think it also did a, a big disservice to VR because that became a lot of people's first VR experience. And it's a very limited way to experience VR, right? You're just kind of in a flat video and, uh, you know, it's a, it's a spherical video, but it's still has no dimension or no sense of movement, or it doesn't have six degrees of freedom. So a lot of people kind of got a bad taste in their mouth about what VR was. And I think that people have a bad taste in their mouth right now on what mm -hmm. AR is as well. Um, you know, like uh, a part, part of it is because people really haven't experienced like the possibilities. Um, either they're seeing filters, which is a very kind of throwaway, overly saturated kind of idea. Um, you open a filter, not many people think much about filters at this point. You know, they're not going to give you any kind of really emotionally compelling experience. Um, and uh, same with headset-based AR. There's a lot you can do. I really love where the HoloLens 2 is. I think it's a very compelling, very futuristic device. Like, you know, it really kind of blows your mind when you can kind of hold things and use the hand tracking to kind of move around holograms and things things of that nature. Um, but still the field of view is really limited. You're basically looking from a very tiny display window into uh, you know your AR world. Uh, I think in five years, both of these things are just gonna really change quite significantly. I think uh, five years is actually a pretty decent timeline for some compelling headsets to be out in the market. Now, will it be completely saturated and people will be not using their phones anymore? I, I don't I don't know if five years is enough of a time to make that happen. You know, five years ago, I was, you know, obsessed with the HoloLens and, you know, I, I swore to myself that we will never touch mobile AR and we're only gonna work with headsets because the whole point of doing AR was that, you know, uh, we interface with the digital world in a very kind of limited manner right now, which is through a flat rectangle on our palms. It's not the most intuitive way to kind of experience being in digital space or experience digital assets or items. So, um, you know, I, I'm pretty confident that over the next five years, we will be transitioning more and more towards headsets and people will kind of be playing with that more and more. But also from Jadu's perspective, we're not waiting on that. We're not reliant on headsets to kind of exist and saturate in the market for what we're building to be very interesting. Um, so yeah, I think uh, you know, in five years, people will definitely be engaging with a lot of a lot more information, a lot more digital assets in kind of a very spatialized interactive manner. And um, you know, I think in general, AR also one of the biggest things it provides is kind of 
the world and the interaction with the world. And um, I think uh, that's something that we are really excited about from Jadu's perspective. We want to, you know, very soon you're going to be seeing a lot of stuff from us that's on a world scale basis where people actually have to move around to find things and, you know, find assets and NFTs in their actual space and people go on hikes and walks and, you know, drive two hours away on a quest to find an item and just a lot more engagement with the actual physical world. Yeah, interesting. Okay, yeah, and we'll, and we'll get on to kind of where NFTs fit into all of this in just a second. But for anyone who doesn't know, the HoloLens is Microsoft's uh, kind of headset. And, and what does that do? What, what does, what's that experience like when you wear and work with, with that? Yeah, so, um, you know, well, uh, headsets, basically, there are two major headsets right now that I think one can talk about, Magically Headset and the Microsoft HoloLens. And really, like what these headsets have, I think people often just think of Google Glass when they think of AR headsets. Um, this is way beyond Google Glass, right? Like Google Glass essentially had a tiny display in front of your eyes that would show you a notification from your phone. That's kind of the extent of it. What the HoloLens can do is that it actually has a lot of sensors up front, including LiDAR sensors that really generate a very, very thorough kind of view of your world. They create a mesh, of, a living mesh of your space and can then have holograms and items that you can kind of see through the lens that can have very complex kind of rich interactions with your space. And, um, you know, it also has really good hand tracking. And so you can actually start grabbing virtual items in your space and scaling them up by dragging them around. And, you know, you just start interfacing with uh, technology and, you know, 3D assets in this really intuitive kind of manner in your own space. Um, I think it's incredibly compelling. Um, but, you know, we're not exactly in the place where there are too many use cases. The technology is very expensive, still kind of big and clunky, although the HoloLens 2 is getting really close. It's very comfortable to wear. Um, you know, it's uh, the computer, the computing element is on the back. The lens element is on the front. It balances itself out really well, feels really comfortable on your head. Um, and yeah, so the experience with wearing a HoloLens is that you start to engage with these digital items in a very intuitive manner where you're grabbing with your hands, where you're speaking with your voice and you're moving around in your space to engage with, you know, digital things. Uh -huh. Okay. Have you played with Ray-Ban stories at all? Is that, I mean, I'm assuming it's nowhere near as advanced as that, but is, is it something that got you excited seeing that release? Um, I have not played with it. I've had friends that have played with it. Um, you know, it's a nice form factor, which is nice, but um, that's kind of the extent of my excitement. It's not really AR, it's just a camera right now. Um, it's just it's just uh, glasses with a camera, pretty much. Um, and it's not a particularly high quality camera. So that's that's kind of my view on it. No worries. No, that's cool. Um, and just, just to paint a picture for you know, how, how AR will fit into our daily lives. You know, what, what kind of things do you think when, when that day does come that the hardware is there and AR really is ready to go for the average mainstream person? What might a day look like in terms of, you know, driving your car to work or walking down the street? And I mean, I've seen like um, uh, mock-ups of cars where the, instead of looking at your phone device for the maps, like the maps are projected in augmented reality onto the road through kind of the windscreen and that sort of thing. So is, th is there anything like that that you are aware of that, you know, will, will become mainstream and affect our daily lives just out of interest? For sure. Um, you know, I think in terms of utilitarian use cases of AR, um, I think, uh, you know, uh, there are a lot of obvious things um, that people are working on because they're really obvious. Um, 
you know, uh, what you're just describing kind of uh, pathfinding or maps and that kind of stuff. Uh, I agree. I think, uh, you know, people will have more contextual information in front of them. Uh, that is a lot more uh, minute than what we see right now. Um, I think people can have very detailed maps of even inside buildings and, you know, getting from one place to another. Google is doing a lot of work on this. They're kind of trying to get to a point where if you go into the cinema to watch a movie, they're not just taking you to the cinema. They're actually taking you to the, your seat. You know, like it's that 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 much detail in terms of maps and whatnot. So there are tons of use cases like that. In general, really, it gets to a point where, you know, you want the, the idea is to have technology kind of more out of the way. You shouldn't be thinking of technology like as much as you do when you kind of bring your phone out. Um, but it's more contextual and it's just kind of there. Um, but for me personally, you know, what we are excited about, we're, we're, we're working with a very different type of AR. We're not really working with a provide utility, make your life easier kind of AR. I think there are plenty of people doing that. We're working more with the kind of, you know, emotional and expressive side of it, um, where you're having experiences with your space and you're having experiences with other entities in your space that kind of make you look at the world differently, that make you look at your space differently. So that's kind of our priority. I think uh, media and entertainment and interactivity and just existence in general is just gonna change a lot. Um, and I think that AR can play a really compelling role in making sure that as that happens and as the metaverse kind of expands and this idea of like digital assets and digital existence and experiences kind of uh, flushes itself out a bit more, I think, uh, you know, doing it in conjunction with the physical world is going to be really key and really interesting. So that's that's really where my head's at. That's where what Jadu is doing is it kind of fits. Yeah, now I think that's that's really interesting because it it's quite easy for people to conceptualize conceptualize how the metaverse is shaping up in some form. So obviously virtual worlds where, you know, you're you're exploring as an avatar. Maybe it's your me bits or whatever. And, and you're in a virtual world and, and people are building land there, which is great and cool. And then virtual reality separately is, again, quite easy to understand because we can experience that now. And, and how those two worlds combine makes sense because some of those worlds might turn into a virtual experience. But So what you've, what you've just uh, dropped, well, recently with Jardu, the jetpacks, which we'll talk about in a second, uh, maybe you can tell us about them, but that really starts to bring AR into the whole metaverse experience so no longer are we in those uh, virtual worlds only nft and nft assets are coming into our real world so maybe you could tell us about that drop and kind of how uh, ar combines with with the whole metaverse sure so you know i mean once again as someone who's been working in ar for a really long time um the whole metaverse conversation and ar vr has always been a really slow space honestly it's been one of those spaces where you know we've had the periods where there's more funding, then there are periods where there's less funding and, you know, periods when people are really excited and it feels like things are moving really quickly, but then it takes a long time and adoption has been slow. So it's kind of been a very interesting kind of space to be working in. Now with the NFT space and the crypto and metaverse space in general, I think, you know, that space is really quick. That space has truly hit like an inflection point this year. And, you know, there's just so much movement and so many new things kind of coming out all the time that, you know, really on the most basic level, we think these two spaces merging is going to allow AR to develop really quickly. Like AR has not had business models to exist yet. 
And I think the metaverse and NFTs and crypto are going to provide AR with the business models that we're missing in order for the space to really evolve and become what it needs to. Um, so, you know, kind of talking about this merger, really what's most interesting to us is that, you know, there is a whole digital existence and, uh, you know, items in the metaverse and, you know, these new IPs and communities that are kind of coming out. Um, really the way I look at it is that over the next five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 years, we're going to be moving towards a direction where, you know, we're going to have more and more identities that we inhabit as people. And a lot of these identities are going to be tied to communities that have some moral and aesthetic kind of shared grounds that those communities kind of come together on. And this has happened before, right? Like people with similar interests kind of gather online on a Reddit board or something. But I think we're getting to a point now where it's more um, organized and, you know, have a more clear, a clearer sense of community. And now it's also tied to some monetary value. And, you know, you're, you have some position in this community and you have some monetary value associated with that position. And over time, we're seeing NFTs yield. We're seeing NFTs like do all these things now. Um, the way I see it working is that AR is incredibly powerful because it engages the physical planet. Um, a lot of what happens in the metaverse kind of takes place in this siloed digital space. But when that starts to bleed in with the physical world, um, that just you know becomes infinitely more powerful, in my opinion. And we we've seen this happen already in a smaller scale. I think uh, I think Pokemon Go gave us a glimpse into what is possible, right? Like when Pokemon Go was really at its peak, you could see people and like huge groups of people moving from one place to another, and you know affecting traffic and demand and supply. And you know there were people dying in car accidents, and you know certain parts of town were getting more activity, businesses were flourishing compared to other parts of town. Like there were all these like real life effects of this game um, that we were seeing. And I think one can kind of argue about whether or not that was intentional or whether that was just a byproduct of the game as the, the, as it existed. But, you know, there's no reason why it won't be intentional over time, right? AR and gamification of the physical world becomes a really powerful way to actually mobilize people on the physical planet and, you know, affect things and affect the world in really significant kind of ways. And I think uh, that's going to happen in one way or the other. And what I think is that that should happen in a way that is community owned and community operated. And it should really be like, you know, what Jadu is trying to build is a world in which you can have millions of people come together and have ownership over these game assets that they find and they move around the physical world to engage with and have this like grand sense of community and collective ability to mobilize and, you know, affect the physical world. Um, I think, you know, imagine what will happen to, you know, like uh, demand and supply of like transport and like what will happen to like border laws and when people are moving around more, when people have more incentives to travel and engage with the physical world and engage with other people in other places of the world. And that's really like what we see as power uh, and like, you know, what, what we see as, an interesting uh, further development in augmented reality and our relationship to the physical world as things become more and more digital. Um, that's that's kind of a 
more overarching kind of view into where we think we're going. Obviously, happy to get into jetpacks and more uh, kind of short-term things. Yeah, of course. Okay, yeah, that's no, good to have the wider picture of it all. And then, yeah, we can talk about your specific drops as well. And I guess, like, yeah, these assets, for the first time, as we know, the NFTs are being born and owned by the users, by whoever buys them outright in the digital world. And, and AR is really bringing that across to the physical world. So those digital assets can be experienced, can also live in the physical world, but are still owned, obviously, by whoever owns the NFT. So it's, yeah, it's interesting, isn't it? It's, it's um, pro- kind of the reverse of everything we've seen so far. Traditionally, a brand or project would start in the physical world, and then maybe they you know, would have had a website and start releasing some some uh, have a digital presence but it's kind of happening the opposite way around here which is which is sort of interesting for sure yeah i mean i'd love to just know about uh, as we zoom in uh in more specifically to what jardu are doing and that jetpacks drop i mean a because it's really fun and it has caught the attention of lots of people um and yeah congratulations with its success because it's been amazing do you want to just tell us maybe about that drop why you did it and um i guess it's a small piece in the in the broader puzzle but in its own right it was really successful and it is is a cool project thank you yeah um so jetpacks really you know the way the whole idea started was um you know we we decided that we're moving into this direction where we're going to have more NFT and metaverse assets inside our platform and bring them to the real world. And we started off with MeBits. Um, you know, that was kind of a Lara Labs release MeBits. I was in the market kind of hoping to buy a CryptoPunk um, earlier this year. I didn't buy it. I ended up buying MeBit instead, which in retrospect has been a horrible decision because, <laughs> you know, uh, CryptoPunks were around $50,000 at that point and now they're $400,000. Um, but uh, so I ended up getting a MeBit and I was like, okay, well, we're going to have use cases for this MeBit now because I, I, I can't really do much with it right now out of the box. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, so we started incorporating this avatar control system and getting it to the point where you can kind of connect your wallet, bring your asset into the real world and be able to use it. So uh, as part of this release, we wanted to release our own NFT as well, our own NFT collection to really kind of bring attention to this use case uh, of AR. Uh, working with assets and avatars. And, you know, we kind of came up with this idea of doing a jetpack. And really the idea was, well, you know, it's going to be kind of a horizontal item. It's not a primary item. You know, it's not really, doesn't do too much on its own. You kind of, if you have an avatar, you're you're incentivized to get this jetpack because now it actually lets you do a lot more with your avatar because now your avatar that was just a 3D model on your computer or a JPEG on a website now becomes kind of a 3D interactive character in your physical world and now can use this jetpack to fly around in the physical world. And you know that was really where we started from. And really by the time we got to the release, we had expanded the jetpack from just being a MeBit related item to being like a very kind of universal item that lets any avatar that we can support fly in not only Jadu, but in other virtual places as well. We're kind of working with Sandbox right now to bring it to their world uh, as well. Um, But yeah, Jetpacks were supposed to be a case study that, you know, kind of showed our team and our existing stakeholders and whatnot that this is a compelling direction and, you know, this is where we want to be heading. And really it was supposed to be a good case study. I was confident we'll sell out. I was confident we'll do well, but honestly, it's really exceeded our expectations. Um, Really my experience of kind of releasing the jetpacks was that you know we had the minting website and we had a countdown timer that was coming to an end and you know as soon as the timer came to an end i went to the website and 
tried to mint a few jetpacks to see if the contract's working and everything's in place. And, you know, I sent my transaction, I went to our Discord and I announced that, you know, um, the minting was now public. And as soon as I announced, I went back to the website and my transaction had failed because we had actually sold out before my test transaction. Really? Yeah, that's um, amazing. So it was truly like a 20 second sellout. And, um, you know, the, uh, the secondary market kind of exploded straight after and we ended up seeing tremendous amount of volume. We ended up actually having a really high floor price before the assets were even revealed. Um, I think since then, you know, we've seen that with Metaverse and a few other projects where, you know, there, we've seen like really high floors, but with we, you know, when this took place, jetpacks were actually had the highest unrevealed floor of any asset before it. Um, and, uh, you know, since then we kind of did so much in volume in the first week as well, which was surprising because we don't have that many assets. Uh, we only have 1,111 jetpacks, but you know, it's been roughly more than three weeks now, I think. And, uh, jetpacks have just been doing really well, have held really well as far as their price, because really, you know, we don't like to talk about price and things like that too much. I think we see a lot of new collections come out that, you know, the team is really like kind of talking about the floor and the price and, you know, let's go to the moon and that kind of attitude. We're not really doing that. We're trying to be very focused on product and, you know, that's where the value is supposed to come from. It's not any kind of artificial promotion or pumping like a token. It's very, we're focused on building. Um, and the great thing is that our holders really see that. Um, we actually did a town hall with the whole team straight after the release um, of the jetpacks where we introduced every team member and talked at length about what they're doing and what we're building. And there was so much conviction that after that call, um, we saw like a huge uh, decrease in listed jetpacks. Like people, everyone went and unlisted because they believed in the project and team and had so much conviction. And that's really been the, the driving force of our market is that um, there are only like only 10% of our assets are even listed for sale. And a, a good chunk of them are listed at, at absurd kind of joke prices. Um, and yeah, we actually had a gold jetpack that was a one of one jetpack that was part of the collection that um, now like roughly a week ago sold for four hundred thousand dollars or one 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 ETH, which was really as well. So yeah, yeah, I saw that. That's uh, unbelievable. Yeah, congratulations on all that. And why just why do you think it did do so well and, and kind of um, beat your expectations? Is it because people are craving utility for their NFTs? Because I think the fundamentals, like we all understand how game changing this this whole digital ownership revolution is, but also at the same time at the minute at least in this early phase there's not loads you can do with uh, an avatar yet it's all coming obviously so this was a, when you watch the videos of the jetpack stuff it's a really visual way of being like oh i get it and also it made me want to even create content with uh you know me bit and there's the amazing video where it's flying around the train station uh, in ar and i can, yeah it's, i think it's starting to kind of unlock that thing in my brain of oh there's you know there's already virtual influencers but people can start to do stuff with these assets that they own so do you think that's partly why it did so well and what other utilities do you think are you know will, will start to be unveiled as as projects go on yeah i think uh, you know there are a few factors right like a lot of this stuff we're dealing with right now is narrative value it's perceived value right when you buy an nft you're not depositing money in the bank that you can access later it's really you're saying i'm buying this because i think that it's going to have a higher perceived value and someone's going to want to buy it for even more later 
And, um, you know, it's really, really about perception uh, a lot right now, scary amount. And um, I think uh, the narrative value of, uh, you know, a profile picture JPEG that is a token that gives you access to the community for a regular person, it's, it's not that much, right? You, you're like, hey, I own this ape and it's $150,000 and you ask anyone and they would be like, well, um, why? Like, I, it doesn't click for people. Uh -huh. um, but when you show them like, you know, oh, look, this is an avatar that exists in the metaverse that can be brought into this world and other worlds. And here it is wearing a jetpack, which is its own asset that, you know, it's its own NFT. And now they're flying around with it in this world inside, you know, AR, and you can see them running into walls and like, you know, interacting with the physical world. Suddenly it's a very new thing. It's a very new novel idea. You haven't seen playable characters in AR before. You've not seen them crashing into walls before. You've not seen this kind of multi like object oriented form of AR where each asset is kind of its own app, right? Like a jetpack is an app. That's how we think of it. Um, and the Mebit is wearing the jetpack, hence using the app and could possibly hold other assets and kind of use them at the same time. So this new way of doing things, I think really clicks for people because when they see it, they're like, okay, this is NFTs. This is, this is what they can do. They can do things that weren't possible before. Mm -hmm. Although it's the AR that's really doing the things that weren't possible before, but the NFTs are really allowing us to bring these assets that have their own forms of ownership and they're all engaging with each other and interacting with each other. It just becomes a way more like, uh, it clicks way easier for an everyday person. And I think the other reason it did well is because honestly, like uh, it's a very oversaturated space right now and everyone's trying to participate, but there aren't that many good projects. There aren't that many trustworthy projects where you know the team, you get a sense of the team's background, you know that this is a serious thing. You know, we didn't jump into the NFT space because we we're like, oh damn, people are making a bunch of money. Let's like release some assets. It, it wasn't that. We've been working in AR diligently for years and you know, uh, people say, hey, what are you going to do when there is like a bear market in NFTs? And well, we'll you know, we've been in a perpetual AR VR bear market for all <laughs> of our existence. So, you know, we, we know how to deal with that. This is not being in a bear market is actually new. So, um, you know, the fact that we're coming with a background, we have a very strong kind of conviction and future vision of where we're heading. I think we were able to communicate that well. And it's still really early. We don't even have a website. We've not even announced like half the things you're going to be able to do with the Jetpack and how it really fits into our world and our ambitions. Um, and still we're seeing so much engagement and activity. It's just really, um, you know, I, I think it's a pretty good signal. We're, we're very confident that we've created a strong market. There are a lot of unique holders with Jetpacks as well. And, you know, we have a lot on the roadmap kind of coming out. So I think the project stands out with all the other kind of profile picture projects and um, you know, we, we've landed, we, the way we marketed wasn't so like, you know, it wasn't, we weren't that marketing heavy. We actually, like a lot of it was reasonably low key the way it happened. So we just landed with a really strong community of really smart people who are looking at the right places at the right time that are part of our community now. Um, so that's, that's, that's kind of why I think it's been so successful.
Yeah, interesting. An exciting time to, to be discovering it as well for anyone who's listening. And, and like you say, that that there's not that many projects that are really building for the long term, have that credible, you know, credible people involved. So it's uh, that's, that those are the ones that I'm always looking out for generally. And yeah, I think that's re- obviously really important. So that's, that's cool. I don't know if you can say any more about your roadmap going forward. I know you've announced about the hoverboards that are coming as well. Is there any more you can say for people to tease people um, on their Jardu journey and uh, and what's next? Yeah, for sure. So I, I, I can, you know, say a few things um, and I'll say them with the disclaimer that the disclaimer is till we have this officially in an announcement in Discord or on our Twitter or on our website, it's not official and no one should kind of make decisions based on anything I'm saying here because, you know, uh, part of the nice thing about being on a podcast like this is that you can talk about things that, are in progress and aren't quite you know set in stone yet. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, hoverboards is the next step for us. Um, we are releasing hoverboards. Um, you know, we, we don't have a date yet. We've not announced a date, and you know, there's some there there isn't a date. We have we have a tentative date internally that I'm not going to say because that doesn't really help. But really, kind of a month and a half is roughly where we're kind of aiming for from here. Um, so after NYC NFT NYC, you know, after a few weeks after that, I think. We'll be in a position where where hoverboards will be ready to be out in the world, and uh, the intention with hoverboards really is number one: we want to reward our jetpack holders with a new asset. Um, that's something. So all jetpack holders will get airdropped hoverboards, and you know, making jetpacks more compelling to hold right now. And the second reason is because we want to expand our current uh, holder base. We want to have more collectors that are part of our ecosystem. There are a lot of people that really are obsessed with what Jalu is building and are very excited to be part of the community and are already active in our Discord and whatnot that missed out on jetpacks and have been priced out now and can't really enter, you know, and hoverboards is a way of involving them and bringing them in and having a bigger base of an audience that can help us now build and test the app and kind of take us to the next step. So that's really where hoverboards are going to work. And the way we've built hoverboards is they're kind of like a, you know, like a, a tier two asset for us, where if you have a jetpack and a hoverboard, you get a lot of functionality together. So even in terms of gameplay, you can then fly around, you can go up and down and also sideways because hoverboards don't go up. They they go sideways and left. So, you know, they're not going to replace a jetpack. They're not going to let you in the game world if you're you know, trying to find something that's, you know, really high, you're still going to need a jetpack, but the hoverboards like make your gameplay experience way better. And, you know, you can move around really quickly. You can slide around in the world and, you know, there, there's a lot you can do with the hoverboard. So that's how we're positioning it. We're going to have more traits. We're going to have more types of hoverboards. We're going to have a bunch of kind of artists partnerships and collaborations that launch with hoverboards as well. So we're going to have some signature series hoverboards with you know, a bunch of people that, you know, can't get into right now, but very excited to kind of announce that over time. So that's kind of a gist of hoverboards in the near future. And I think one thing that we haven't yet really announced or talked about at length or have it in any of our official material is we're really thinking of hoverboards and jetpacks as kind of season zero of the Mirrorverse. And Mirrorverse is really how we're describing our AR metaverse. You know, it, to us, it's an overlap of the metaverse and the physical world where, you know, um, there is some level of interoperability between the physical reality and digital reality where digital assets come into the physical world, physical assets have digital counterparts that go into the digital world. 
So that's kind of the whole Mirrorverse world. And next year, we're going to enter season one of the Mirrorverse, where the primary gameplay mechanic is going to be that people are going to go out into the real world and they're going to find assets. They're going to find these NFT items that have been hidden all over the world. And all these assets are going to be in-game items comparable to hoverboards and jetpacks where they're all going to have use cases and functionality within the world. And people are going to go and actually collect them. So that you're going to have to go to the physical spot, just like Pokemon Go, to go and kind of retrieve the asset and mint it. And, you know, then only then does it become available for secondary trading. And there's going to be a lot of compelling use cases for why you need to collect these assets. And, you know, you're, you're going to want to buy assets from other people to complete your collection, things of that nature. Um, and when we enter that world, having a hoverboard and a jetpack is going to be very useful. It's going to help you a lot in discovering more assets. And that's really how we're kind of positioning this. And I think the dynamics that you start to play with become really com compelling because, you know, the rarity level of the assets you're finding are going to depend on how hard they are to find. If they're in far off remote places where there aren't that many players around, someone has to go on an expedition to find it. And that's what's going to make it more valuable and more rare. And, you know, because it was harder to get to. And the traits of the assets is going to inherit from their locality. So, you know, if you find a harpoon gun in New York, it's going to, you know, um, have some traits or some patterns or something that ties it to New York. So that's kind of how we're building this grander world. And then when we enter season two, all of the assets that you found in season one are going to have another layer of use case where they're going to help you do the tasks and quests in season two. So we're kind of building this as this like ever evolving game and world that goes from one season to another and kind of, you know, provides value to people that entered early and provides a lot of new opportunities for people that are just entering. So that's kind of really a rough idea of where we're taking things. That's so, uh, yeah, so exciting and so interesting is you're gamifying the world, which uh, is very, very cool. Yeah, I've, I've, it's not even something really that's, that's even crossed my mind that's possible to do. So I love that you're doing it that way around as well. It's really, really interesting and, and so unique and so different. So yeah, that's that's so cool. So thanks for giving us the update on that. And and I guess if you know if people are listening now and it's the first time they've uh, heard about you and your community um, and they want to get involved, then really the thing to do is, is pay close attention because uh, next drop is going to be these hoverboards. Obviously, Jetpack's going to uh, give that additional value as you've talked about. But if people want to get involved and, and support what you're doing at Jardu, um, is that what you'd say? So obviously, jump in the Discord and and, uh, and pay close attention to what's coming pretty soon. Yeah, yeah. Um... For sure. I think the way we're doing this, once again, with hoverboards, we're going to have a whitelist process. That's what we did with jetpacks. And we're actually going to double down on that with hoverboards. So it's very unlikely that we're going to have a big public mint. It's going to be very pre-list heavy. So uh, what, what that means is that, you know, if you go to the Discord and kind of pay attention, we're going to have more and more information coming out over the next couple of weeks on how whitelisting is going to happen. It's not going to be connect your wallet and press a button or, you know, add yourself here. It's it's going to be the, the way we're going to do whitelisting. It's going to be an experience on its own. Uh, we're building something in AR. So you're going to actually have to get the app and connect your wallet and then, you know, find your whitelist spot in AR. So we're already kind of gamifying and bringing in that AR element. So, you know, um, it's really going to be people that are do that, that are going to get on the whitelist. 
And once you're on the whitelist, you're only going to have one spot to buy one hoverboard. So there, you know, no one's going to, very few people are going to get multiple hoverboards. And those people are probably people that already have jetpacks. Um, we're going to prioritize them like that. But, um, you know, most new people are only going to be able to get one hoverboard. And, you know, like uh, we feel good. We think the secondary market is going to have a good amount of demand. A lot of people would not be able to get hoverboards there because there is still a pretty limited supply. Um, you know, we're doing 5,555 hoverboards, which is a lot more than jetpacks. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not actually that much. There are a lot of collections that are eligible for using hoverboards, and there are a lot of people that are going to want them. So, you know, getting into the whitelist um, through paying attention to Discord, I think, comes with a lot of benefits. So I would definitely recommend that at this point. Good stuff. Good to know. Yeah, for sure. All right. Well, that's yeah, that's a really fascinating um, chat on all things AR and what you're building and how you're combining all of these elements across the entire metaverse and the physical world. It's really, really fascinating. So thanks so much for telling us all about it. Before you go, I always like to give you the opportunity if there's anyone you, you want to shout out or uh, any projects that you think aren't getting enough attention at the minute, maybe more things you're working on, or maybe it's something else. I don't know if you had uh, anyone in mind, maybe it's from your team or elsewhere that you'd like to shout out and uh, give a little word to. Sure. Um, yeah, well, okay. That's, uh, I, yeah, I'd absolutely like to shout out a few projects. Um, I would pay a lot of attention to what Trippy is doing. Uh, Trippy is a really close collaborator of ours. Uh, he worked with us on the Trippy jetpacks, which are the ultra jetpacks. Uh, Trippy is doing a lot of work, both for jetpack holders and also for you know his own projects. He's working with uh, Alex Gray, um, you know the psychedelic monster uh, artist. They're they're doing a ton of work together. I think there's gonna there's an NFT collection in the works that's worth paying attention to. Um, I would be looking at what Pussy Riot is doing. Once again, very close friends of ours. Um, you know, Pussy Riot had a drop uh, earlier. I think it was uh, a couple of weeks ago, and they're planning on a bigger drop as well. And I think uh, you know Nadia and her work just means a lot. And she's really, uh, you know, was in Siberian prison for years and whatnot. And it's kind of, you know, has a very well-rounded perspective on the world. And I think is really using everything that's happening in the NFT space for a lot of good reasons. Um, I would be looking at the Heart Project. Um, the Heart Project floor is currently pretty accessible. Um, it's uh, a friend of mine, Aidan Cullen, who uh, has been the creative director for, you know, Trippy Red and, you know, like has worked with a bunch of major artists and, you know, is very well connected here in kind of LA and Hollywood and is engaging a new generation of people in the NFT space, I think, that otherwise wouldn't be in it. So, you know, Heart Project, they're kind of treating it as a creative studio that's being funded by you know, people that are purchasing the token. So just definitely a pretty interesting, unique project to, I think, pay attention to and follow. Um, that's kind of a, a good overview. I think I would also be looking at what Mac Boucher is going to be putting out. Um, Mac is actually part of our team. Um, he is also, I don't know actually how much I'm supposed to say about this one because he's not really released that much information, but, you know, he, he does really, really high quality work and he has a lot in the works. So that's that's another place to pay attention to. Awesome. Brilliant. Yeah, no, thank you. We'll uh, definitely look into what you've mentioned there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, such a, a, an interesting and uh, yeah, my, I've ended this conversation with my brain firing on loads of levels of uh, a whole nother area where all of this can go. So it's yeah, really great to chat and thank you so much for, for coming on. Appreciate it. Absolutely. I apologize for all the noise at the start of this call. <laughs> um, I'm happy to settle down towards the end. 
Um, but yeah, no, I really appreciate you having and asking good questions and obviously always good to talk to people that you don't have to explain what NFTs are to. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Um, sweet. Thank you so much for having me. Of course, no worries. So there we go. What did you make of that chat with Assad? Very, very cool to hear about the AR space, everything that's going on there and how crypto NFTs, the whole metaverse is kind of arriving at a time that brings all of these technologies together. Uh, Charlie definitely working on some really, really cool stuff. Um, so I will leave all the links in the show notes as always. So you can check out everything that we chatted about in this episode. Thank you for your ratings and reviews on whichever platform uh, you listen to the podcast. That really, really helps. So I appreciate that. Uh, have a great rest of the week and see you for the next one.